Margaret Coatman Frankowitz coming to you today with another episode, wonderful episode. I thought I would actually talk about dawn phenomena. It's one of those things that has fascinated me for the past 11 years, dawn phenomena. What is it? How does it work? How can you treat it? Should you treat it? Is it a bad thing? Well, I'm going to go into it in this episode. And um, after actually watching Dr. Stein Eckberg, you can actually find him on YouTube uh, for um, his specific episode was on dawn phenomena and he actually goes into the science and breaks it down what it's like for a normal person and what it's like for a diabetic and what is actually going on with the body and I'm going to tell you I found this episode absolutely fascinating and I don't want to admit that I have a doctor crush going on but I do because this guy's mind is amazing and not to mention, he looks so young in the face. If, have you ever noticed that if you've watched his programs? Um, so he he totally has it going on. He's got that young gene thing going on. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of him. So, of course, I'm going to refer a lot to him, especially on this topic, because I just watched it. And, uh, of course, I've always had that big mystery question mark with the dawn phenomena, because I've had some very weird things actually happen with it. And I'll explain why. Uh, One is I am hyperglycemic diabetic type 2, and I've been the kind that has actually dropped a lot of weight, gained some of it back, and kind of yo-yo dieted until, you know, I just finally decided to do keto and just kind of nip it in the bud. But I'm a really relaxed keto type girl because uh, some very unusual and strange effects were happening when I did do after I dropped like 60 pounds and went straight keto, I kind of had to back off on that a little bit. Um, not necessarily for any other reason besides just to maintain my sanity, actually. Because when I stopped dropping the weight, I had to do something different. And then I allowed myself to actually have carbs and that kind of changed things for me. So I'm not strict keto by any means. And I definitely believe in the dirty keto and eating bacon and just absolutely love it. So, and I enjoy the keto diet actually. Um, However, it is a tremendous amount of fat that you're actually putting into your body. Eventually, I think your body just says enough. This is not going to continue forever. But we're not going to talk about keto today. We're going to talk about the dawn phenomena. And uh, I'm going to use a short little story clip. Uh, just to explain what I went through and what Dr. Stein Eckberg has to say. And of course, if you want to follow up on that, he has some amazing charts. Go to YouTube and follow up on that. Just type in Dr. Stein Eckberg and look into the dawn phenomena fasting. He does have that video that came out a year ago. So here goes my story. Okay. So I was actually in an institutional setting where I actually had my blood sugar tested for about a week. And I went ahead and, you know, with my permission and everything, it was my idea, testing first thing in the morning, first thing before breakfast, right after breakfast, right before lunch, right after bre- right after lunch, before dinner, right after dinner. And sometimes I would just test just to test because I was definitely taking advantage of the situation. If I was going to be in this place for a week, then I was definitely going to do my own little experiments as well. And, of course, I did use their food, and their food is was high carb, so there was a lot of stuff I couldn't eat at the time because, of course, you know, I'm still, even though I wasn't on keto, I was still sticking to the low-carb routine. So even a bowl of oatmeal would throw my blood sugar up higher than I could actually tolerate. So, and, of course, my blood sugar has, you know, thank goodness, I've never seen my blood sugar over 180 Um, But I have seen it spike up and it's more than some like you'll see some professional People who talk about diabetes and they can keep that below 100 and then keep it between 85 and 100 And that is absolutely stupendous amazing But I don't think I've had that type of blood sugar since I was in my teens. So and I'm like, you know, very old now. So um, Anyways, a dawn phenomena and back to the institution sitting that I was actually talking about I was testing my blood sugar and I had some very confusing numbers because I would suspect because I knew about dawn phenomena at the time and if you don't know about dawn phenomena let me just go into it into a little bit of detail for you dawn phenomena 
So in like, let's say you had your last meal at six o'clock at night. A couple hours later, you go to bed. You sleep until eight o'clock in the morning. Let's say you go to bed at eight. Well, let's say you go to bed at eight. Wake up around six or so. Yeah, really nice night. I, I, I don't sleep 10 hours either. Let's say you wake up at four, okay? And then you wait a couple hours and then you eat breakfast. But you test your blood sugar first thing in the morning. Like, let's say you test it as soon as you get up at four o'clock in the morning. And you look at your blood sugar, and when you went to bed, it was 110. Then when you wake up, it's 150. True, seri- true situation, I've had this actually occur. So you're a little bit concerned about eating breakfast. So you wait a couple hours. You test right before your breakfast, and it's still testing at 150. And you're, like, really confused because you're having your breakfast at 6 o'clock in the morning, and you haven't eaten since 6 o'clock at night. So you've given it a whole 12 hours, and it's still high. What's going on? Well, there's a lot of stuff actually going on while you're sleeping because you have hormones that are actually interfering. Your body's not really moving besides the occasional, you know, night twitch or whatnot. And maybe in the morning, you know, for a couple hours, you didn't go for that morning jog like you see some people do because you're not athletic. I know I'm not. So I'm not going for the morning jog. I might go for a walk, but that'll be later in the afternoon. So your blood sugar is just kind of sitting there and hormones are taking over. And you haven't really taken any sugar before your breakfast. And yet your body is reflecting that you have taken sugar in your body. Well, your liver is actually producing the sugar. So your body is hard at work. This is so, um, this is, this is like a survival mode for it. And so when it feels uncomfortable, uh, your body is going to dump. It'll make its own sugar and it's going to dump it in there. That's the reason why you don't really need to put sugar in your body. Now there's some hypoglycemics that do not have issues in the dawn phenomena. So it's a little bit different from, for them. So no, no to the hypoglycemics, I'm not talking about you because obviously you're dealing with different things. And I guess we can thank our bodies for, you know, over the period of years, their ancestry and how they actually had to live and the fact that they did not only intermittent fasting, but fasting and even starvation, some of them, uh, many of them, let's, let's get real, many of them actually had to deal with that. So our bodies had to adapt to that. In today's society, we don't actually have to deal with uh, that because as soon as we get hungry, we can run to the grocery store. We don't even have to go out and kill anything unless we want to. So um, food is readily available. I mean, heck, you don't even have to pick it out of your garden. You can just go down to the grocery store. But this is the obvious stuff, right? So I like pointing out obvious things because it's something that I always miss. You know, like the, like a fly flies on your nose and you can't see it type deal, you know? <laughs> there's a fly there and you know there's a fly there, but you can't see it. So, um, obvious things. And I sometimes miss the obvious things and I get the complex, I get the complex bigger picture, but I don't see the obvious things. So... Um, obvious things normal people can say. It's like, put down the cupcake. Well, you know, maybe I didn't have any cupcakes. Maybe my liver is just producing a tad bit too much sugar because my body values me and thinks it's more important than your body thinks of you. So what do you have to say to that? In starvation mode, they would starve. You would not. Okay, so enough about that. So your body does actually produce sugar. So if you ever have that nurse that says, You have to eat carbs because your brain needs carbs. And I've had this happen too. And I just kind of looked at the nurse like she was an idiot. And I I didn't mean to look at her like she was an idiot, but I did because I already knew about the liver and actually producing sugar. And I'm here thinking, how much does she really know about diabetes? Is she just going by the guidelines? Because those are very basic and they're very informative, but giving out the wrong information. So, um... It's, it's like you have to be a diabetic to understand this. Now, if I was talking to a diabetic nurse, which I've talked to as well, they understand everything you're talking about. So I, I really prefer to talk to people um, that aren't the endocrinologists, of course. Um, they're very well-versed and, and they know diabetes. But um, when it comes to like basic nursing and stuff, they know the basics. They don't know the actual science. Well, I can't even say that. I know they've been through science classes and stuff. But they have been diabetic, and so they don't really know unless they've been through it. So, back to my story. 
Um, so of course, luckily I was dealing with a nurse who also had insulin resistance. Actually, she had full-blown diabetes and was taking injections. And so she knew this very well. So, I mean, she probably knew better than I did. So she knew what I was doing with the testing and everything, and that I was actually testing certain things. And I absolutely refused to eat oatmeal. So not only does oatmeal taste gross anyways to me, um, and I have eaten oatmeal in the past, so I can't say I've never eaten it, but I don't believe that it's... Like now that I haven't eaten it in a long time, I really don't believe oatmeal was actually designed for human consumption. And okay, I know some of you are slamming me for that, gonna slam me for that one, but I don't. Um, I've actually watched videos on this and how oatmeal is actually promoted by uh, commercialization to actually do something with all these oats besides just feed animals, and so they decided to feed humans. So a lot of products have come that way, but we're not going to get into commercialization of foods just yet. I may do that for a future video. But okay, back to my story. I know I tell a lot of different stories on top of stories, but I'm trying to explain why I'm doing this. So my blood sugar was high that morning, and so I decided, you know, ah, crimey, it's already high. I mean, it doesn't even really matter what I eat. So I did have a big breakfast of something. I'm not quite sure what it was, but it was definitely something to raise my blood sugar. I'm like, okay, here we go. My blood sugar is going to be like 180. It's going to spike over right after my, my meal. And, you know, because I tested it before, it hadn't changed since the morning dawn phenomena from the 150. After my meal, I expected it to be about 180. So like really super high. And so I tested my blood sugar. And this is something I still don't understand to this day, but I guess my, for some reason during the meal, my body decided to work again. When I tested my blood sugar, it was 110. So I went from 150 to 110 after my meal. So I ran back to the nurse. I'm like, um, why is my blood sugar 110? And she just kind of looked at me. She's like, I have no freaking clue. Are you taking insulin? I'm like, no, I'm taking my metformin. And she's like, it just takes a while to kick in. This is what they tell you. It just takes a while to kick in. Well, that wasn't necessarily the case. Now, what the scientific data to why my system is not acting exactly like a diabetic because it should have raised it is, is not, like, who knows? Don't know. So I went running about my day. I decided to starve myself all day. I didn't have anything from the time that I ate. I think I ate like 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. I didn't have anything to eat until 6 o'clock at night. Tested my blood sugar again. This is after running around stuff. My blood sugar had shot up to 160. So was it a fault of the meter? I don't know. But that's what actually happened. Because actually, technically speaking, my blood sugar should have spiked up to 180. And I know these are high numbers for some of these some people to hear. It's like, oh my gosh, you got to be aware of this stuff. But remember, I am on medication. My doctor does realize what my numbers are so there is a plan for me too even though my blood sugar usually has always tested high like in the 120s um not always i can't really say always but i'm on a game plan and actually is testing more in the 110s now so 110 to 100 but this was back then and uh so it was a little bit higher so i ate a meal and then it dropped again so my blood sugar wasn't necessarily acting the way that it should I have no explanation for that. Um, maybe one of these days I'll find out why, but I'm like, my blood sugar isn't necessarily acting in the same way that it would be acting for diabetics. So, not known. Um, I don't eat a lot of sugars though, so maybe my body is compensating it in another way. So I try to back off on like the crackers. Like I literally will pay attention to the portion sizes, especially now, like crackers, like if it says a serving is like 10 crackers, I stick to that if I'm going to eat carbs. I stick to that. I can't always say that I've done that in the past. And in the past, it was more like I was a glutton because I, well, not even that. It's just that I didn't have a variety of food. Variety of food is, is definitely the way to go though. And I'll tell you why, because I could buy a box of wheat thins and eat the whole box of wheat thins. I didn't stop. And don't tell me that was gluttonous. I'm sure you do it too. I've known people to do it as well. So, or, you know, they open up a bag of chips and eat the whole entire bag. And that's not good for you. This is real life. 
And yes, to some of you who are shocked by that because you always had portion control, yes, people do do this, but then they may not eat anything else except for the, that one product, which is probably a good thing <laughs> because, because that would be horrible. But, um, yeah. okay, things that I'm admitting that I don't really like to admit. So, but now I'm more into portion control. Like I had some peanuts this morning and I probably had about 20 peanuts. So I am actually sticking to portion control. And actually, I'm doing better than portion control because, for instance, peanuts, one ounce, which is about 39 pieces. I had about half that. So I'm actually doing pretty good for myself. I can actually eat less and be fuller because I spread it out with other things. So it's good. Um, now back to the dawn phenomena. So uh, what happened with me was kind of erratic and all over the place and stuff. And luckily he gave an example of somebody with normal blood sugar um, and what usually happens during the day. So like it's supposed to spike after lunch or something like that. And it's supposed to go back down or right? after any meal really. And then go back down and then be normal, but it'll range around, you know, 80 to 100. So my blood sugar is kind of weird. Because, because of the fact, I, I guess maybe, I can't really say that I haven't had sugar because I have had sugar as a child, but I was fortunate to be in a family that said no to the obvious sugars. So no, no, you can't have more than one piece of cake and only on somebody at somebody's birthday party, a wedding, or your own birthday, or you know, a special occasion. Like maybe if they break out a cake around Christmas or Thanksgiving, then maybe a slice of cake. But no, 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 you can't go back for seconds. And um, so I, and I was actually one of those kids that I was raised on sweeteners. So uh, one of my first soda pops was, if you remember this, then you're gonna have to go back about 40 or so years. But Tab was the big non-sugary drink that was out. And Tab absolutely tasted terrible. It tasted like medicine. But everybody wanted their Tab because it was something better than water. Um, now, mind you, you can always have... Now, tea, a lot of people drank tea back then and they put sugar in it and stuff. But nobody thought about not putting sugar in tea. That was horrible. That, that was just terrible to just drink tea by itself. At least in my family, anyways. Back to the dog phenomena. So your bottom line is your liver is dumping out sugar because it's trying to save your life. It'll dump anywhere between half a teaspoon to a teaspoon. So what nobody ever told me, though, was that you weren't supposed to really worry about it tremendously if you were a hyperglycemic type 2 diabetic, anyways. So I'm speaking for my type of diabetic. I mean, for a hypo, it might be a little bit different. But your body's trying to save itself when you're in sleep. This is because your body doesn't want to be uh, in a coma. Your body wants you to wake up in the morning. Your body wants you to start the day. So if you're half a teaspoon, if it can produce that, we'll keep you going all night and keep your brain functionable and stuff. So this isn't such a bad thing, really, if you think about it. There's no reason to be worried about your dawn phenomena. I mean, you, you might test it yourself every once in a while and freak out about it. Why is my blood sugar high? Well, it's basically your body doing its job. It's keeping you alive, or so it seems. Maybe it feels that your blood sugar needs to be at 150 rather than at 100. And of course, our goal is to get to 100 or below, but for some of us, uh, it's slightly higher. Like for me, it is slightly higher. I, I mean, the thing is, is um, what most people would actually go through with hypoglycemic, such as shakes and tremors and feeling ill and wanting to throw up, stuff of that nature when your blood sugar goes too far down, where you feel weak and fatigued. That's usually what happens. Actually, that will happen to me 100% of the time if my blood sugar is below 100. So for some people, it's a little bit higher than others. But um, being on the metformin keeps them kind of even keel. It helps my body do what it should. That's why I say metformin is an absolute miracle, at least in my life. It was 
definitely one of those things that I needed. So it's very interesting how uh, Dr. Stein Eckberg explained, and of course he goes more into the scientific data on normal blood sugars and people with hyperglycemia. And he goes over it a little bit with diabetics too. He calls it something else. And I mean, their blood sugars, I mean, like, like type twos, we have the Dawn phenomena. And for regular diabetics, the ones that are actually injecting have the type one. It's kind of like all over the place too. So um, similar in some ways, but not always. But Dawn phenomena is absolutely normal for type two diabetics. But I guess we can call our hyper uh, hypoglycemics that are type two. You know, they're more our brothers and sisters, whereas type one is more of like our cousins, so to speak. So they're just our our uh, you know our brother from another father or whatnot. You know, our cousins. And uh, the type 1 diabetics, of course, you know, they have to inject. They got a little bit more serious blood sugar issues going on where it's all over the place. And, you know, if it wasn't for Dr. Bernstein, I have, I have actually talked about him before. I wouldn't ever have thought that diet could actually manage type 1 blood sugars. And I've talked to type 1s who don't believe that Dr. Bernstein was able to actually control his diabetes with his diet, but yet here he is still alive today in his late 80s. And I would have never thought longevity in a diabetic could actually occur, yet here's Dr. Bernstein, type 1, leading the way. So there's no reason if this guy who's like really, I mean, that's the real diabetic, okay? We're kind of like secondary type diabetics that um, kind of fell into this, not on purpose. But if he can lead the pack here and change his diet, then he is not only an example for us type twos, but he's also an example for type ones. So that's what I will say about type one diabetes. And I don't really, talk too much about type 1 diabetes because I don't have type 1. I have no right to say what a type 1 should and shouldn't do. I'm just looking at the person who's setting an example for me who happens to be a type 1 diabetic. So, but I'm not, I'm not saying that what he's doing is going to work for other type 1s because that guy was super sharp, super intelligent, and he definitely led the pack when it came to conquering diabetes, which is an ongoing battle. It'll be an ongoing battle till the day you die, but, you know, the more you educate yourself and the more you get involved, the more you begin to, like, say, hey, this is something I kind of enjoy doing. I know, kind of weird. I'm kind of a weird person, but I really do enjoy diabetes. Um, okay. Well, that being said, (laughs) I was going to talk about the great ode of diabetes and how wonderful it is to actually talk about a topic and actually study a topic and actually learn more about it. And, uh, you know, what my, I I don't really have any goals besides just trying to help fellow diabetics. And I have actually uh, gotten word for different themes, uh, for different themes, such as where my, my program is actually headed. And I've always been about conquering the world anyways. I'm like a Caesar, but not really Caesar. I'm not out there to take take over everything by any means. But I will shine the light on people who really do deserve it, like Dr. Bernstein or Dennis Pollock or Dr. Stein Eckberg, who are definitely leading the way towards victory when it comes to living with diabetes. And what I have noticed about these people is they are all on the same page. And I'm on the same page that they're on, by the way. So I do listen directly to what they're saying because I believe they are on point with what they are saying about diabetes. And that it can change your life. Um, But I'm also here to tell you that if you're not doing everything perfectly, it's okay. You're a human being. This is a heck of a fight. So, you know, I want to be here to encourage you as well because this is absolutely life-altering. Yeah, you can't 
necessarily go to Baskin Robbins with your kids anymore, your grandkids, and enjoy an ice cream cone with them anymore because you have to look at it differently. But if you did, you shouldn't be judged for that. Just don't try not to make that a regular be <laughs> a regular thing because that may cause you some problems down the road. But what I'm saying is, is we're all human and sometimes we need to live our life a little bit. So if you have an ice cream cone and you haven't had one in you know, a couple of years or something or even a couple of months, I'm proud of you. Good job. Because that's, that's really hard to do. And um, it makes things a little bit less exciting because, you know, you have that encouragement of, yeah, let's go get some ice cream. And now you don't have that anymore. Now it's like uh, you got to walk into Baskin-Robbins and there's not a thing you can eat in there. <laughs> I'm not even joking. You go into Baskin-Robbins with nothing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think they sell coffee yet, but... Here in Mesa, Arizona, which is where I'm at right now, I went down to the Dunkin' Donuts. I had a delivery to do. And I was having this wonderful conversation with the employees at Dunkin' Donuts. I noticed that their colors were changing and their bags were brighter and they just seemed to be quite chipper. And I'm like, so what's going on here at Dunkin' Donuts? Your colors have changed. You, You guys are like sporting pink now. I think he used to support like orange or something like that. So so what's going on? And they're like, well, we're merging with Baskin-Robbins. And I start thinking about it. I'm like, wow, that's absolutely ingenious. Why is that ingenious? Because now the grandparents that can't have the sugary ice cream can take their kids. I'm probably more after COVID than during COVID because, you know, we're in that COVID season type deal. But now can now take the grandkids. This is in a normal world, by the way, not not after COVID, but before COVID, take the grandkids into this uh, coffee shop and actually give, you know, the grandkids ice cream cones and the grandparents can have coffee without the sugar. They can put the sweetener in there and it's perfectly fine. That is amazing because coffee is a treat, right? So it's kind of nice to see that blending in the world. I mean, I've walked into... um, a lot of ice cream shops where I can't eat ice cream, of course. Uh, sometimes I, I actually <laughs> do ask for a free sample. It's kind of rare. But knowing that that's probably about the only ice cream that I can actually have. So sometimes I say, could I try this? Oh, thank you very much. But then they, then you feel obligated to actually buy something. And you know, probably want to avoid it, right? So um, sometimes though they're, they're freely giving the free samples. And they don't care who or if you have a friend or something who's actually getting ice cream, you can try the samples and not feel obligated to buy anything. You know, there's little ways around that. So, um, yeah, so I, I was pleased to find, pleased as punch to find out that the, the Dunkin' Donuts near me is merging with Baskin Robbins. And I'm like, yeah, ingenious, as I said. And uh, so it's more of a social event. I mean, how many social events have we been cut out of because we had to think about the menu and what was on the menu, and we literally can't eat anything, especially those of you who have decided to actually do keto. And you're thinking, are there any keto-friendly versions of anything on the menu? Well, just so you know, there are places, even at the Olive Garden, I believe it's Olive Garden I went to, they did have one meal that was actually keto-friendly, and it was their um, zucchini pasta. And that was absolutely amazing, by the way. So I ate the zucchini. Me and one other girl in the group were both keto. And, of course, she's from California. You know, everybody in California is like keto now. So <laughs> something to joke around about. Um, it's spreading throughout the country, but I have to admit, California was first. And her and I had the same dish. We both picked it out. We were on opposite ends of the table. And then we realized, oh, you're keto? Yeah, me too. We had the same dish and it was absolutely delicious. So usually uh, in a restaurant, you know, I feared this when I was strict keto. I feared not being able to eat anything with my friends, my, the group that I was with. And everybody else was eating carbs. And here I am. I have to be on a special diet. And, oh my gosh, I want to spend time with my friends. But... I also don't want to eat something I'm going to regret because, you know, once you break the keto, ketone thing, then you got to start all over again. It takes a couple days and it's horrible. So, um, 
So there are items on menus that you can eat. Sometimes there's no way of getting around it. Sometimes you gotta ask them for special requests. Sometimes the food isn't as good as what you thought it was going to be. And sometimes you wish you would just eat at home. And I've said that a lot where I've just wished I could eat at home because I happen to be a great cook. And I'm not saying I took classes or anything, but my mother was a great cook and my great or my grandmother was a great cook and they you know they learned how to make a lot of stuff at home we didn't even eat out there was no point in it and so when you got to eat somebody else's cooking it's kind of like boy this is good but I wish I could add a little bit more pepper or this type of seasoning or gee whiz this is bland pass the salt and pepper please and why can't I have any other additional spices on the table? Because my food definitely does not taste very tasty. So um, I like cooking a lot of my own food, so I have a little bit more dominion and control over those portions. But just so you know, when you go out to eat, there are things you can eat. So I don't like those restaurants. Usually that occurs like uh, a lot of the major chain type restaurants or eateries. They'll have some carb-friendly foods there because they just know they got to have like at least one something that's carb friendly because they know that is like a huge diet nowadays and um so I mean like my dream would be to walk into a keto restaurant uh with some amazing cooks in there making amazing things because I know a lot of amazing things can be actually made and I'm, I'm not that type of cooking type material yet where I can consider myself a chef by any means. Honestly, I don't think people would pay for my <laughs> my menu items at this point because I'm very, very basic keto when I do do it. So um, right now, I'm not necessarily keto. So right now, I'm a big promoter of keto, especially if you need to lose some weight because as you know, if you lose between 5 15 5 to 15 percent of your body weight there's a good chance that if you have high blood sugar numbers that it's going to go down so um there's that but also um i think is my personal opinion that doing keto long term is not sustainable and of course there are people that would argue with me on that one Um, However, I have not been able to maintain keto past six months. So I'll do keto for six months. I mean, we're talking strict keto. We're talking, I'm all on board with the, 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 uh, what do they call that? The the oils, MCT oil, uh, medium chain triglyceride type oils that you put, you know, into products like your coffee when you drink that. But, again, as far as doing this every day, I mean, I haven't even seen Dennis Pollock do it. And Dennis Pollock is type 2 diabetic who swears by it. But, you know, he does, like, the little experiments and stuff like that where he tests his blood sugar. That he, he has even admitted he's human. Yeah, I'm proud of him, actually. So, Dennis Pollock, if you're listening, I'm proud of you because your channel's amazing. But, um, and he's also on YouTube. But um, he has, like, in one of the episodes I actually watched where he was actually talking about uh, somebody lowering their blood sugar. He does that a lot. And uh, he was talking about his blood sugar numbers being a little bit high afterwards. But, I mean, you know, I kind of look at Dennis Pollock and go, okay, you think your blood sugar is high at 115. And I'm just kind of sitting there going, okay. But... Okay, I'm not dissing him or anything because he just happens to be really good at controlling his blood sugars. But that, like, he even has, you know, where he's like slapping himself on the hand because, you know, he's big into intermittent fasting, you know, where he's got like the six hour window to eat and stuff. But even he'll admit that he doesn't always do it. And it's okay because if you did it every day, this is my opinion on this, okay? My opinion is if you did this fasting every day for like the rest of your life, there's going to be something going on. Your body is just absolutely... Your body's amazing. I, I guess I should say this. Your body's amazing. You can tolerate a lot. 
but it knows it's smart it knows when you're fasting it knows when you're trying to starve it and your body is constantly going to be giving you signals to eat and telling you it's going to be throwing a conniption fit like I want this I want this and giving you starving pains and everything until you actually break that your body's smart um but your body will try compromising with you too it's like okay well you do this for six months but then i want to go back to regular eating for six months and so you say no 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 let's just try to eliminate some of the carbs or let's just try to eat moderate carbs everybody's but i kind of like the occasional carb kicks once in a while i kind of like you overeating on the carbs because i kind of like that feeling of extra glucose and sugary stuff and you're and you're going no 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 body that's really bad for you you gotta start breaking this stuff down i mean you start turning that fat into energy and your body's like but you don't but i like the carbs so much better they're so tasty and you're like no no you need to start eating the fat because this extra weight's not doing us any good but then your body's fighting is like no 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 because i actually like this hormone like padding stuff because I'm comfortable too. Your, see, your body likes to be comfortable too. And your body makes its excuses as to what it needs to survive. And sometimes you have to actually be a really good ambassador and let your body have its way a little bit so that you can actually still control your body. Okay, it's, it's kind of funny. What I'm talking about is kind of funny, but I think that's actually what goes on because with the fact that, it, I mean, most people would be skinny as a rail if they could actually do that. And you see some people and you wonder what's going on in theirs and like they've totally given up because they look like little round cherries or something. And um, I think that is a real struggle, especially somebody who's overweight like really overweight to actually think that being normal is anywhere near being normal because they've always been big let's say all their life so they like being really poly and they like having that extra cushion and stuff and I'm not talking about the individual because the individuals cry inside they wish that they were like modeled real thin and look like Barbie or Ken but what's going on the inside of our body is like, oh yeah, that's nice and all, but we like this. This is where our comfy spot's at. And I think we all go through this because otherwise we'd all be 98 pounds, look like Barbie or Cannon, all live in California for some crazy whack reason. But okay, this is important because some of you need to hear this. And... Um, this goes out to some people that I know that have been struggling with their weight. I just want you to know it's not your fault. It actually is not your fault. And to some of you hecklers out there, I'm going to tell you, it's not their fault. Their hormones are out of control. So as you know, uh, having diabetes type 2 is because our hormones are out of whack. And our body's actually gaining weight is in response to that. And if we were perfectly on track, we'd be Barbie or Ken, just like the rest of everybody out there. But our hormones are out of whack. And I, I just want to say it, it is more than diet. It is more than exercise. It is more than just a mentality. It's the fact that you might need to be on medications. And uh, stuff like insulin actually will actually increase your fat you you putting on weight it will increase your weight doesn't increase your fat it will increase your fat too but uh, i was trying to say weight so um insulin injections will increase your weight and metformin does not um that's one of the reasons why i also think metformin is kind of like that miracle drug so if you think you should take it because you're um pre-diabetic there's get on it it's not going to harm you to be honest it's going to help you uh stay pre-diabetic as long as you can if not go back to normal and that way you can put off uh the injections because if you have to start injecting this when you have you're going to see the weight starting to pile on so um some some people are lucky they don't have any weight piling on but it's, it's, it's a lot harder for them and you don't want to make it harder on yourself or on your body. 
But there are some pudgy people out there. Some extra fluff. I'm going to call you guys extra fluffy, okay? There's some extra fluffy people out there who, um, you know, they, they're really upset because they wish that they could be, you know, the ideal human being and stuff. And they know that there's something wrong going on with their body. And they try to exercise and stuff, and, or maybe they don't have the energy. And I'm going to tell you, it's not your fault. It's not your fault that uh, your body was, was selected to be pre-diabetic or diabetic. And um, if you're on medications, good for you. I'm proud of you. That's a huge, major step. You're take, taking control of your health. And so uh, working with your doctor is going to be important to actually regulate those hormones. Because your doctor doesn't... Your doctor's not going to sit there and call you fat. If he does, you know what? He's a, he's a dumb doctor, okay? So go find another doctor. But um, your doctor, if he's a good doctor, he's not going to humiliate you about your weight. He already knows, you already know that you, you're already overweight. I mean, that's like the obvious. It's like pointing out the fly on the nose. It's like there's a fly on your nose. Thank you for pointing out the obvious, Dr. Obvious. Um, doctors are really good about how they actually talk about weight management. They already know that hormones play a huge role into why you have weight on you, okay? So what they're going to do is they're going to try to help you get back into healthy weight without really telling you, hey, you know what? You're fat. It's like, thanks, doc. Thanks for pointing out the obvious. So um, I'm very proud of my doctors because none of them have said, hey, looks like you need to lose some weight, especially if they know that I just dropped 12 pounds in the last couple of weeks and I'm so proud of it. You know, that's like uh, pointing out the flat of the nose. It's like, okay, she's actually trying. I've actually had doctors tell me, oh, I can see that you're trying because of what you're eating and because of how much weight you lost since your last doctor's appointment. Um, which, by the way, you're actually losing it faster than what I would have actually expected. That's usually what I get because I really get serious when I go to the doctors, right? Um, we're going to try this new therapy on you, is what the, how they usually say it, and uh, see if this actually works by your next appointment. And usually, they, when they don't reschedule another appointment for you, they know it's because it works. And so they don't expect to see you for like, you know, six months or something like that, which is true. So when I lowered my A1C and my doctor knew I was going in the right direction, she's just like, well, shoot, you're really good at self-managing. I'm just going to let you go for it because you know what you're doing. Well, yeah, I've done it before. Um, being good isn't necessarily a constant. I wish it was for me personally, but my good seems to be a roller coaster. And what happens is I think I get a little bit of dementia where I forget sometimes too. So things start going really good. I'm eating the good foods that I know are good for diabetics. And then I forget and have, I splurge and have something that I shouldn't have, like two pieces of bread instead of one piece of bread. I know that sounds stupid, but for me it's kind of serious because it will actually raise my blood sugar numbers to where it's out of control because the next day I'll be like, yeah, I felt fine after I ate that sandwich, so I'm going to have another sandwich or I'm going to have something else with carbs in it. And the next thing I know, my blood sugar, I've totally forgotten that I was diabetic and then I'm right back to square one where I have to do it all over again. And the doctor's like, you know, sending up the warning signals like, hey, did you forget you were diabetic or something? So, um, my point being is if every day you, rem- you remind yourself that you're a diabetic and, you know, you can give yourself a little bit of leash, I guess you can call it, or like a little bit of room, but not just take advantage of it, then you'll probably do fine. But if you give yourself way too much slack... And, or like let's say uh, you let it go out of control where you don't judge it or watch it at all and you just eat all kinds of crap all day, you're going to go right back to where you started from. And when I say crap all day, I'm already assuming that you're not eating candy bars, that you're not drinking sugary sodas. I mean, these should be obvious things that you don't even do anymore. You don't put sugar in your coffee um, because that kind of stuff is definitely going to send you straight to you. You're going to just bypass. If you're not diabetic, you're going to go right past metformin and go straight to your insulin. And then you're going to wonder what happened to your chance. Whereas there's somebody else like me that's been struggling for 11 years not to inject. Because there's people that, that they were just told flat out, and this was during the pandemic as a matter of fact, and they were skinny as a rail. And within three months, the next thing you know, they're injectables. 
So um, it only takes three months to destroy your system. And she had to come back and admit that she was eating all this crap because a lot of the foods, and this was at the beginning of the pandemic, by the way, another video on YouTube, but the skinny, skinny little girl, I mean, she was normal, she was actually normal weight, she wasn't like 97 pounds or anything like that, she was uh, normal weight, 120 pounds, nurse, and she was helping people during the pandemic, and during the pandemic, this, like, okay, for instance, take for instance, this is how quickly, by the way, you can become diabetic, this is kind of scary, diabetes does run in her family too, by the way, um, so here, here's this nurse, and she's working all kinds of crazy hours, you know the stress is there, okay, because uh, she's dealing with these COVID patients. And so she doesn't know when she's going to get COVID or not because she has no way of immunity. She has these, this, these masks and stuff, but we don't know if they work and then they only have a percentage of efficiency, etc. And she's seeing all kinds of different people all day. And then she's worried about passing this uh, COVID-19 onto her family and if it's going to send one of them to the hospital one day or when her work's going to stop because she catches COVID herself. So she's got all kinds of stress going on. She's not sleeping right. A lot of times she doesn't even go home at night. She just stays at the hospital because she doesn't want to pass it on to her family. And, uh, of course, all these businesses are trying to help her out, so they're giving her all this food, all the donuts she can eat, all the coffee she can drink, big sub sandwiches, lots of carbs, etc. And this stuff is not good for your body, right? It's not good for anybody's body. Whose body is it good for? Like, maybe a 20-year-old athlete or something that doesn't have to worry about this stuff? I mean, even they have to worry about this stuff. There's plenty of athletes with diabetes, by the way. Um... So what happened to her in a three-month span of time, she went, she didn't even get her chance at metformin. She went straight to the hospital, don't pass go, um, and you are, oh my gosh, you are now insulin dependent. How often does that happen? And she was a skinny old thing. She started, one of the things she noticed is she noticed the weight gain. This is what was serious is uh, she said that in a period of uh, three months or so, she gained 40 pounds. That's a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight for anybody to gain, really. And by the time she actually recognized it to actually do something about it, she already found out she was diabetic. And that really surprised me. That was shocking because I had no idea that somebody could be determined to be a diabetic, injectable diabetic, within three months. So um, let that be a lesson to all of us that this is an ongoing thing. So if you're on metformin for the rest of your life, just be thankful. Okay? And uh, I I know I'm thankful for my drug. I'm thankful for metformin. I'm okay with metformin for the rest of my life. It's like, just give me a year supply of metformin. I will work with that. I will take it twice a day like I'm supposed to or once a day and control my diabetes that way. I will get my A1C tested and make sure it's in the margin because I'm not going to be one of those injectable diabetics either. I will do everything that I can to get out of that cycle. And not saying that she can't go back to normal. Um, And of course, I haven't seen any follow-up videos on her. I would like to see some. But this goes back to Dr. Bernstein. Dr. Bernstein being told he was a type 1 diabetic, no pancreatic function whatsoever, yet he was able to reverse his disorder to where he doesn't have to inject anymore, which I still find phenomenal. Um, That gives a lot of hope to even injectables, especially type 2s. So, um, yeah, it'll it'll be kind of interesting to actually see any type of follow-up stories on any of these because uh, that's some definitely some juicy, exciting news I want to share with my audience. Okay, so enough said today. Um, I talked about everything. I forgot about the topic. Oh, yeah, it was on uh, Dawn Phenomena of Diabetes. And uh, so just kind of curious what you think about that. Going back to our original topic, if you've actually experienced Dawn Phenomena, and it maybe, or maybe you haven't, and maybe you have no idea what the dawn phenomena is, where your blood sugar is higher at the end. I mean, that's kind of interesting too. I mean, inquiring minds want to know how you do it. So, 
Anyways, uh, drop me a line at margaretrico2015 at gmail.com if you just want to talk about your dawn phenomena. Or you can reach out to our audience at um, Frank, oh, sorry, wrong website. Uh, Diabetes and Exercise, that's on Facebook. Yes, we're still up, even though they're censoring everybody else on there, because I'm just not going to talk about politics, okay? It's going to be straight diabetes news, no politics. I'm not going to give you my opinion about it, because I don't want to be censored next. Um, and, you know, talk to our audience, and I will be on there as well. I will be listening and giving my input as well, as diabetes and exercise. And, um... Let me know about your Dawn Phenomena. And I'm going to try to post something. I think I did post something on Dawn Phenomena. I thought it was very intriguing on diabetes and exercise. So, yes, please go to that site and leave a comment. And uh, if you want me to, I'll read that on the air. If it's, a good, if it's good and juicy, that is. Uh, if it's something personal, I'm probably not going to talk about it. But um, if it's good and juicy and you say, yes, I give you permission to air this, then I will actually... Um, read what you said I could actually post I'll pay attention to that kind of stuff alright so with that being said uh, this is Margaret Coleman Frankowitz just be good to each other be kind to one another um, and you know this this life is a short one I mean it seems like a long life but then it's, it's over before it even began and you kind of wonder why you need much time so use, use your time wisely And thank you so much for using your time wisely and listening to this show because this show is going to help you be a better in-control diabetic. Um, And I hope that I can pass on some great information on to you because that's what I plan on doing. So thank you again. And I'm still thinking of you, France. Um, I'm still thinking about how you, you put me as number 29 on your alternative health list. I want to thank you for that. And um, just want to know that I'm thinking about France right now. I'm thinking about France right now and how cool France is, especially right now in these times. So um, thank you again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you later.